0: Hey there, biz leaders. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to let you know that as we head into the new year, I want to make sure that this show is as valuable and enjoyable for you as possible. And in order to do that, I would greatly appreciate if you could take a few moments to fill out the this year's audience listeners survey. Your feedback will help me improve the show and make it even better in the coming year. For those who fill out the survey, you will have the option to put yourself into a draw for a $25 Amazon gift card. So to access the survey, simply go to thebusinessleadership.com slash survey 2022, or slide into the show notes below. Thank you so much in advance for your participation and support.
1: Every human being, every employee, every worker has this ability to adapt and grow and deal with um, adversity and take advantage of opportunities if you give them the right environment. And that is really what leadership is about. Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week. For a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders, hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever, wherever you're checking this out, biz leaders. Thank you for taking the time to to join me today. And on today's episode. I had the opportunity to sit down with Josh Burson, the founder and CEO of the Josh Burson Company. We discussed new ways of leadership, the future of work, and his new book called Irresistible. He's an accomplished business leader. Josh also founded Burson & Associates, which is now Burson by Deloitte, and the Josh Burson Academy, the professional development platform. He spent 25 years in product development, product management, marketing, and Sales of e-learning and other enterprise technologies at companies including Digital Think, which is now Convergys, Arista Knowledge Systems, Sybase, and IBM. We discuss what what is an irresistible company, and what does it mean to have a human centered leadership strategy, specifically while navigating the flexible work environment going forward. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot Communication the Business Leaders Per for Forward, Clown Forward Service. Without further ado, here we go. What? Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Josh. Thank you, Edwin. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm really looking forward to diving in uh, with you, and it's such an honor for you have. But before we get started, I'd love it if you could just give a us a quick introduction for the listeners who may not have heard of you or are just hearing of you uh, for the very sure. first time. Let us know who you know, who you are, and what you like
1: to do when you're not leading businesses. Okay, um, I'm a uh, an industry analyst and a, and a researcher and a consultant in human resources and all of the various issues that employees and managers and leaders have. In the workplace, and I um, spent 20 years in the tech industry, so I also spend a lot of time on uh, HR technology, workplace technology, and all the tools we use in our daily lives these days. And I live in California. I have two grown kids. I like to ride my bike, Uh, I like to write, I like to travel, Um, and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what it's like doing this kind of work. It's all consuming, but I but I do love it. So um, it's become the joy of my life to do this kind of work. Yeah, and it's an
0: inspiration as well. So I do appreciate it. So jumping into into leadership and especially where we are in within our society and how things are changing and being post post pandemic, um, I'd love it for you if you could share the shift. I guess the shift from traditional leadership to, to, this, to this term human-centered leadership and, and what's really different about it?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I've been doing this now for so long. I've seen these uh, management fads or eras uh, or, or really themes of management come and go at different periods of time. And when I first got involved in HR in the early 2000s, uh, coming out of a business career, uh, everybody wanted to copy GE. And everywhere I went, virtually every company said, how does GE do this? How does GE does do recruiting? How does GE do leadership development? How does GE do performance management? How does GE do pay, careers, on and on and on? And what that was basically was the institutionalization of the industrial model of work, which goes back to the railroads and the oil companies where the humans were the labor and the managers told the labor what to do. So it was labor versus management. And even though not every company was in the manufacturing industry, virtually every company ran their business this way. And it worked pretty well until you know the 1980s or so, when the internet and all sorts of technologies disrupted virtually every industry and every company. And companies had to move faster. They had to distribute the authority and the responsibility to local levels. They had to create more innovation and creativity. Um, Employees were suddenly being asked to take responsibilities for things that managers didn't know they needed to do. So the idea that your manager is going to tell you what to do all day was silly because the manager didn't even know what you were essentially doing or working on. So this all got flipped around. And, uh, and so for really a lot of my career, I've spent time, um, you know, d- documenting and studying these new management practices. I have a book coming out in October called Irresistible, which is about all this. And then the pandemic came along and basically turbocharged this whole thing. Because what happened in the pandemic was every company faced a life or death experience of wondering how they were going to go to market, who they were going to sell to, what they were going to sell, and, of course, whether their employees were even going to come back to work, where they were going to work, how they were going to work. All, just all these questions happened at the same time. And what companies realized was, wow, if we empower our people and give them the support and education and health care and safety that they need, they adapt pretty doggone fast and they do take care of this company, this business we're in. And maybe they're working from home and maybe we gave them a new job, but they're doing it. And so, you know, it's a long answer, but but I think the pandemic is in many ways a, an injection of adrenaline into this trans, transformation that's been going on for 20 or 25 years that is now very clear. Um, I don't have to explain what's going on to people. Uh, you know, why you have to take care of your employees anymore. Everybody knows this now. And then, of course, we now have this incredibly competitive labor market. Um, virtually every company is having a hard time hiring, uh, 30% turnover rate in the economy. So, um, so it's all about being what I call an irresistible company. And that's a new, um, concept of leadership, which we've decided to call human-centered leadership. So that's the long answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 100 percent.
0: And a couple things that was coming to mind, Josh, um, and this was from conversations that was happening through the pandemic that I was having and up until today is when, you know, and you being in technology or within leadership in technology all these digital transformations that were supposed to happen in 24 36 right. months or longer right. they happen overnight right because the fear of management or the executives like oh i don't know if the you know the change management but like you said and and i love that you put it is that the people are adaptable and when we empower them um, that's right they show up and maybe they show up in a way that we as business leaders, management executives never thought that was possible because we were always trying to be GE or trying to control.
1: (laughs) The funny thing, you know, the thing that, one of the things that happened to me that really brought this home to me was during the beginning of the pandemic, uh, my daughter wanted us to go out and take care of some of the homeless people. And I live in Oakland, California. So we went out around Christmas it might have been the year, it was the year of the pandemic, the first year. And we visited a bunch of homeless sheltered and gave a bunch of people a lot of food. And I went, you know, met and talked to a lot of these homeless folks. And I realized, you know, they're in the worst possible situation in their lives. You couldn't think of a worse environment to be in. And they're living their life. They're taking care of each other. They're figuring out how to get by day by day. And I, and I realized what we're really dealing with is what I call this unquenchable resilience of the human spirit. And that is that every human being, every employee, every worker has this ability to adapt and grow and deal with um, adversity and take advantage of opportunities if you give them the right environment. And that is really what leadership is about. It's creating an environment and an alignment and a, and a sense of shared vision where the average person in any level, in any job can say, oh, I'm in, I'm in. I'm going to figure this out and I'll be part of the team to, to, to take this company forward and do whatever it is that needs to be done. Um, and that is the fundamental, you know, sort of belief that I have in human beings and management. Now, you know, I have worked for people that don't feel this way. I've t- worked for managers that clearly do not respect individuals and they believe that people should be rated and ranked and, you know, everybody should be comp- should pitted ag- be pitted against each other for competition. I-, I think that's more or less proven to be incorrect. Um, but, you know, there are still companies that operate that way. And I think young managers that maybe haven't learned this in their time. So, so we're trying to, you know, um, institutionalize these ideas. The other thing that I just want to mention on this idea of human centered leadership, <clears throat> the reason we call it that it's kind of a silly name because of course, leadership is human centered, but, but the idea was in every business situation, whatever it is, a project, a sales a deal of, a, you know, something that's, that you're trying to get accomplished. There's the business issues and there's the human issues. And you can ignore the human issues and you're talking about the business issues and why isn't this happening, and how come you guys aren't doing that and blah. Or you can say, well, maybe there's something about the environment or the clarity of the mission or the skills or the pay or the reward or the culture that's getting in the way. And you you have to balance both as a business person. You have to deal with the business issues um, and be fairly, um, ruthless about them, but then you have to sometimes just flip your mind in the other direction and say, "Well, why is this not happening the way I would like it to happen? Is it me? Maybe it's me." <laughs> so those are those are all the things that I think companies are becoming very very aware of.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, and that's an important important point, Josh. Where it's where you where it's the ego, and you start. Looking inwards, right, and and that's a big thing. And when it comes to awareness and 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 self identity, right, especially being a leader, right, um, I'm showing up like that. There was two. There was two questions that came up um, as you were sharing in terms of what happened and your story. Thank you for sharing that story um, um, in Oakland as well. One thing that's coming up with you know this flexible environment or flexible arrangement, it, it's it's kind of sort of flipping back now with the pandemic over, some organizations are saying, you know what, work from home is not working. I need everyone in. So I'd love to get your thoughts in terms of, is it important or why is it important to keep this flexible work arrangements uh, now moving forward?
1: Well, I I have two thoughts on that. The first is, if you think the world is going to go back to the way it was, you have to give up on that. Life only goes in one direction doesn't go backwards it goes forward so um, this paradigm of everybody being in the office all the time just because that's the place you work is over so get get used to that so then the question is how often and when and how do we meet in the office or where do we meet that is going to optimize life going forward And yes, there's a lot of data that shows, and I have this experience in my company, you have to get together face to face for many, many things, strategic conversations, complex issues, projects, getting to know each other. I mean, there are lots of reasons why people have to be physically co-located, but every minute of every day? No, not necessarily. There's a lot of time wasted in commuting. People have families, they have dogs, they have parents at home, uh, they have personal errands to attend to, they don't want to spend the money on traffic, the time. Um, there's lots of reasons why commuting is, is um, sometimes counterproductive. I mean, for me, as somebody who used to travel every single week, I'm now talking to more people, getting more work done virtually than I ever did when I traveled all over the world. I'm getting more sleep, Saving money, so so what you have to think about as a manager is what are the um, sort of rules of engagement that you want to have on flexible work that are appropriate for the kind of work you do and the uh, you know the team that you have. And I think we're going to end up you know in a world where you know people do work from home once or twice, one or two days a week. If you're if you're a line worker in a hospital or in a restaurant or something, obviously you can't do that, but. Um, but for those of us, those 30 or 40 percent of us that are white collar workers, I think we're going to become, you know, much more um, accepting of that. We're going to get better and better tools. I wouldn't be surprised if we have 3D virtual reality <laughs> at home within a few years. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of the way I see it. Uh, and and I think some of these, um, you know, kind of statements that come out from CEOs of, I want everybody back in the office. They're going to really, their employees aren't going to be happy. They're going to lose people by, by going being too rigid about it. And, and I think the
0: evidence is out there for those who, who have voiced their opinions of coming back to the office. They would see, you would see some, and, and you mentioned it, you mentioned the numbers in terms of turn, turnover. And part of it might be because the organizations they are in are not changing or not moving towards this get over it. This is the way work
1: is. Keep it flexible. And- well, I remember, you know, Edwin. One of, one of the other paradigms that I remember very very well, when people started bringing their mobile phones to the office and checking their text messages in meetings, I remember being very insulted that somebody would po- could possibly pick up a phone and message somebody else in the middle of a meeting. I got over it. <laughs> How long did it take, Josh? <laughs> it's just the way it is. I didn't like it for a, for a while, and then I said, "Hey, it's just the way it is. This is one of these paradigms that just changed, and we're not going to go back. Mm-hmm. So we got to get just get used. We got to gotta
0: it. get used to it, get over it, and think about about how to move forward, right? So one of the things that you had mentioned was that there are still some you know managers that are not. Human centered. So, I'd love it if you could share from your experience or from your research is some practical strategies on on for those who need to embrace the power of the you know every individual and, and leveraging the technology. Right.
1: Well, everybody who's ever been a manager has gone through this challenging journey, personal journey of suddenly being responsible for the performance of somebody else. If you've been a parent, you know what it's like to have kids. But if you haven't been a parent, and a lot of people are promoted into management, you know, at an age when they don't have kids, um, it's a new world. And, you know, what I've often said is moving into leadership is not a new job. It's a new career. All of a sudden, you're getting paid to facilitate or drive or enable a whole bunch of other people to do their jobs as opposed for you to do your job. So your job is very different and um, you have to learn your own journey. And I think everybody leads in their own unique way because it's one of the things you do as a leader is you bring your personal um, style to the role. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would, you know, advise young leaders and managers is to listen a lot. Sometimes it's a lot better to say nothing and pay very close attention to what's going on than it is to start telling people what to do or, uh, you know, giving lectures or speeches or whatever it may be. Now, this is not it's counterintuitive. And I think when you're new to management, you feel like, well, I'm the manager. I need to say something. I'm the boss. I need to tell people what to do. You know, I have to make the decision because. Somebody has to make the decision, so it better be me. Well, maybe, it, maybe you don't have to make the decision. Maybe somebody else will make the decision for you. So there's a lot of subtleties to leadership that you learn over time. And, um, and so that's number one. Number two is um, you know, checking yourself to um, understand how well you respect the differences of each individual and the diversity of thought and the diversity of your team. Um, we used to do this thing at Deloitte. Where we used to have this this little tool called business chemistry, where you, you would asses, you would assess people based on you know are you a guardian, are you a pioneer, are you a you know are what type of person are you? Well, you know every project or team I've ever been associated with, there's people are different. Some people are very conservative. Some people are very risk takers. Some people are very careful. Some people are very innovative and not very careful. Uh, some people are very creative. Some people are not. Some people are very analytic. Some people aren't, right? I mean, you're going to have a team of people. They're not all going to be the same. And um, you're going to have to learn how to work with all of them and and figure out how you can help them work together. And that's another big part of being a leader. If you if you think you're going to hire everybody who's just like you, you're not going to be a very good manager. And that is a natural tendency, is to recruit people that look and feel exactly the way you are. Um that's that's another blind spot people have. So there's a lot of things you learn about leadership and it takes years. I would say the third thing I'd say about, you know, a manager or leader, give yourself some time. You know, the first couple of months, it's going to be different. Um, and the first couple of years, you're going to look back and say, wow, you know, I've really gotten better at this. <laughs> and find a mentor and You know, I spend a lot of time watching people that I respect and learning from other leaders and observing behaviors at work. And that's a lot of, you know, to me what the learning process is all about.
0: Hey there, biz leaders. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we get back, I'd like to let you know that as we head into the new year, I want to make sure that this show is as valuable and enjoyable for you as possible. And in order to do that I would greatly appreciate if you could take a few moments to fill out the this year's audience listeners survey your feedback will help me improve the show and make it even better in the coming year for those who do take the time to fill out the survey as a quick thank you there will be an option to put yourself into a draw for a $25 Amazon gift card. I got 5 of these to give out. So to access the survey, simply go to thebusinessleadership.com/survey2022 or slide into the show notes below. Thank you so much in advance for your participation and support. Yeah, and you you have so many good points there, Josh, uh, and gonna definitely love sharing all this. But one of the key points that you should—I just want to reiterate it—is when you get promoted, and, and I'm just paraphrasing, when you get promoted, it's a new career, right? And that's something for new business leaders, new managers—you have to think of that and take that to heart. Like this, you're a, you're net new, day zero. You're not going to know everything about your job at all. You still got to learn. You got to well, train. You, you know, might know the job.
1: Yeah. And don't assume that being a manager is the best job in the world. Mm-hmm. You may decide you don't like being a manager or leader. You know, I, I didn't really move into leadership roles till I was in my 40s. I spent the first 20 years of my career mostly as an individual contributor working on projects or teams. And I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, As I got older and I just found I needed, you know, to take on more responsibility in different organizations, I ended up becoming a, you know, much more seasoned leader. I never wanted to do it earlier in my career. I did pass, you know, other people passed me by in terms of money and, and, you know, titles and stuff. And I just let it go. Um, When you're ready, you're ready. And if you get thrown into a leadership opportunity... um, You know, go for it. It's a lot of people get promoted through what, you know, we used to call battlefield promotions. Hey, there's nobody out here to do this. Why don't you do it? Okay. Boom. Suddenly you're a leader. (laughs) (laughs) You got to pick it up and pick up the flag and run, right? Yeah.
0: We talk about recruitment and, you know, finding the right culture. I'd love to get your thoughts in terms of, like, how how do these managers or these organizations adopt, like, to, to become irresistible, like, within their chosen market yeah. so they could get these right people in place?
1: Well, there's, you know, in my book, there's seven um, big principles to doing this. But I, I think the fundamental thing from the standpoint of recruiting and, and, uh, and management is um, – You know, for the people that I work with in companies, mostly HR executives and HR departments, um, building a culture of leadership and talking about leadership and talking about our values and our philosophies is absolutely sacrosanct. And then I had an interesting conversation with one of the largest tech companies in the world. I won't mention who it is, but everybody knows who they are. They were redesigning their performance management process Which became a very burdensome, overloaded, bureaucratic, stupid thing that they developed years and years and years and years. And they wanted to redo it and they asked me, Do you have any advice? You know, should we have goals? Should we have quarterly reviews? Should we have pay for performance? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, Well, what's your philosophy of leadership? And they all looked at each other like, Hmm, that's a good question. We haven't really talked about it. Well, come on, Uh, you know, you have to have those conversations. Are we a hard-driving company? You know, are we going to take the hill at all costs? Are we going to crush our competition? Are we going to get rid of all the people who don't perform? Maybe you are that. If so, talk about it. But maybe you're not that. Um, And to some degree, your identity as a company should reflect the customers you're trying to sell to and the market you're playing in. So like in healthcare, for example you'll find that healthcare organizations are very caring companies because they're caring for people all day and they want to hire people and promote people and reward people for their caring instincts. You know, if you're in the tech industry, it's probably a little more of a war. I mean, in tech, it's brutal. You know, one month you're in the lead and the next month somebody just killed you. So, uh, you know, you get to have those conversations and then those kinds of conversations allow you to... Develop leaders, hire leaders, decide who's appropriate for different leadership. And that really helps the company a lot. And, and I think you have to have those conversations every year or two. You can't just do it once and then assume, you know, that it all stuck. Yeah,
0: no, that, and that's true because because it's evolving, right? And, and, and I love that it should be the conversation that happens not only accordingly. Like it should be talked about throughout, bottom up or top down, depending on however the leadership philosophy is, right? Um. I know you mentioned it, and I know, I know the book is coming out. I'd love it if you could share more about it. Um, what, who should be listening to it
1: uh, and reading it when it comes out? Sure. So the name of the book is Irresistible, uh, The Seven Secrets to Employee-Focused Enduring Organizations. And it was originally written for HR executives, but it turned into a book for management also, and it's really a, uh, a book of stories of hundreds of companies I've interviewed over the years that have uh, found ways to build irresistible organizations focused on employees and obviously business performance and growth. Um, and what are some of those things that, you know, I've learned? Um, and, you know, the seven, I won't go through the seven things right now, but um, they're all things that you'll read and you say, yeah, okay, that's kind of obvious, but how do I do that? They're, they're sort of truisms that sound easy, but they're not. You know, like one is teams, not hierarchy. You know, well, that sounds easy. Yeah, let's just have teams. But how do you run the teams and how do you operate the teams and how do you scale the teams and how do the teams work with each other? And then what is your role as a manager or a leader? or Does every team have a leader and a functional manager? And so the book takes you through these seven, um, you know, characteristics of these irresistible companies and gives you lots of tips. So I hope everybody who's in any role in business has an opportunity to read the book and and learn from it because it came from literally hundreds of, of conversations with amazing companies around the world, learning from many, many leaders and many HR people that I spent time with.
0: Well, that's great, and we'll, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes below for those who are interested, um, whether it's on the wait list before it launches or when it's out, and you're listening to, even you're listening to this uh, in the future, but I'm definitely excited, Josh, to put my hands on it and definitely read it and share it with those around me. one thing I'd, lo- one thing I'd love to ask my guest, Josh, you know, being someone within the leadership, within the thought, you know thought leadership when it comes it, I'm curious you know, what are you doing? Is there any personal practices that you're doing so you can continually grow as a leader or some things that you're stacking on or reading and researching just for yourself to improve?
1: Well, Edwin, thank you for asking, by the way, and thank you for inviting me to do this kind of a talk. Um, You know, I'm in my mid to late 60s, so I'm sort of at this point in my life where um, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, And I love the work, and I love helping companies and helping individuals. So, you know, I think I'm at this point where I'm trying to learn how to be a leader and not be involved in every decision and not run the company on a day-to-day basis. I have a a management team in this company that's very, very senior, and I don't agree with everything they want to do, but I'm learning to not get involved in every decision. (laughs) entrepreneur, that's very, very hard. And as an engineer, you know, of course, I'm an engineer, so I like to tinker with things. Um, So that's one thing for me. And the second thing is to remind myself of my values. Um, You know, as you get into sort of the second or third uh, stage of your life, you know, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, but you start to, you know, wonder, you know, what is this all about? And why am I doing it? And what is important to me? as a person, and how can I bring that to all the people that work in our organization? So I'm spending a lot of time on that. Um, and then just staying physically healthy. Honestly, you know, the pandemic has been very, very difficult for all of us, getting exercise, getting outside, taking care of your mental health. I, I had a really bad bout of COVID, I'm now over it. Um, you know, keep the mask on. I mean, I, I think that's another big part of life for me right now is just making sure I don't get sick and have some kind of accident. <laughs> I know it, it, it really got us thinking about everything in terms, of, in terms of that. But yeah, no, thank you for sharing. And
0: that's something that challenged even me personally as I'm looking at and scale within my business is like how do I uh, empower? And not only empower my people, But let go and allow them to make mistakes right because at the end of the day as an entrepreneur and myself as an engineer too is like i just sometimes i just want to get in there and this is this is my algorithm this is the one it should work right um but that's uh thank you for sharing that and and it's it's you know it's humbling to also understand that you're still learning things and you know sharing that to those who are listening is like
1: oh yeah i mean you know i i uh i'm jewish i grew up in a family of people that argued with each other all mm-hmm. the time. We, 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 none of us ever considered ourselves to be perfect. And, and, uh, and I, you know, take that philosophy in, in terms of my own life and the people in the organization. And as you said, you know, you know, at, at any age, the biggest challenge is when something is not working in the business world, what do you do about it? Do you reprimand somebody? Do you try to fix it yourself? Do you replace the person? Do you help the person? What I mean, do you train the person? I mean, there's like a 100 answers to that question. Um, and, you know, the other thing about business, everybody thinks it's easy. It's not. Every company I've ever talked to is harder to run than people realized it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there's people issues, there's competitors, there's technology. And that's why it's so much fun. I mean, that's really why I get off mm-hmm. on it. And I get such a kick out of what I do is, is we're in the constant state of reinventing things to be better and better and better for clients or customers and um and that is really you know what we're here to do and that that's what this is all about. Yeah,
0: and, and to that point Josh you know there's no two situations two organizations that are exactly the same right and and, and that's for me even this podcast it's just so amazing to see all the different situations and the way different leaders handle it and how they should look at things and how what are they doing internally to ensure they're showing up better for their team and their family and themselves right because if you're not healthy I don't know what you're bringing to the business too right um, and, and and then and then your team is following the way the well, way you amazing, show up. Edwin, and
1: I think I, 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 t- I couldn't agree more. I mean, the other thing I think is the challenge has been a challenge is many, many entrepreneurs were given large amounts of money by investors. And they have this, you know, expectation that they're going to be super duper successful business people. They're going to be great CEOs. They're going to make a lot of money. and And then they realize it's a little harder than they thought. And the investors are breathing down their neck. And there's a lot of stakeholders coming at them with different requirements. Um, and that's why you have to get back to your values because at the end of it all, you know, why are you here? Why are you doing this? What, what are you trying to do in your life for the world? It really helps because there's a lot of pressures, particularly during this, you know, last economic cycle on growth, 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 and that's not possible forever. Um, so yeah, that's amazing.
0: So so with that in mind, Josh, you know, before we end and, and I could I could geek out with you all day about this type of stuff and I appreciate your time and I value it as well. But, you know, I'd love to get a final thought, maybe one thing, one actionable recommendation you could share to the growing business leader who's listening today.
1: I mean, I think the one thing I would leave you with as a business person or leader is um, Forgive yourself, take care of yourself. you know, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about how leaders can make it easier on their teams and so forth. You know you you have a lot of stress too. <laughs> so you know, get a coach, take some time off, go for a walk, go for a bike ride, take some vacation, talk to your spouse or your significant other, spend some time with your kids, get a dog, whatever it may be. Um, if you're more secure and happy and focused, and centered in your life, the rest of your team will be too. And sometimes you have to force yourself to do that because you're doing so many things for the organization all the time. So so maybe I'd leave you with that.
0: That's great. I appreciate that. Um, to close, Josh, where can we find more information about you, your upcoming book, or anything else you want to share with us today?
1: Okay, well, my entire life is on our website, joshberson.com, j-o-s-h-b-e-r-s-i-n.com. Um, The book is called Irresistible. It's in Amazon. You can find it. It's pretty easy to find out there. It'll be available in October. And I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff, too. So if people want to follow me and I have a podcast of my own. It's not as good as yours, Edwin, but... It's mostly about HR stuff.
0: <laughs> You're too kind, Josh. You're too kind.
1: But yeah, I mean, it's been
0: an absolute pleasure, Josh. I look forward to the book. Definitely going to give it a read, and I'll share it, as I said, in the links below. But again, Josh, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you, everyone. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode number 171 with Josh Burson. That was a amazing conversation. There were so many interesting points and different things that I've never thought of. But one that really hit home for me was when he basically said that if you're more secure and happy or focused and centered in your life, the rest of your team will be too, which is really important. And that means everything, especially for someone like myself who has a young family, who really puts an emphasis on time spent with them, experiences with them. And the key is to share, share this time, share this quality time, these experiences with your team, your stakeholders, your clients even, which is an interesting thing that happens, especially when I do this, um, it sort of gives these people your team permission to also spend that quality time with those who are important in their lives for more information about josh his new book irresistible and any other resources that we share please go to the businessleadership.com slash 171 or real quickly hit the show notes below please share this episode with three like-minded friends like-minded business leaders tag me at edwin100x i'd love to say hi this episode was brought to you by slingshot communication the business leader's preferred cloud phone service what i really like about the service is that i am able to have my own personal business sms number that is separate from my cell phone my personal number Um, in the past it was very difficult to separate my business and my professional life on my personal home phone on my personal cell phone but now with slingshot i have the option to text professional contacts clients stakeholders from my business line and then turn it off turn it off at five turn it off over the weekend and get back to it when i choose to if you want to learn more please go to the businessleadership.com slash SMS. Of course, the links are below. And by the way, if you haven't done so yet, please give the show a follow, leave a review, a comment on your favorite podcast player. It actually helps our show. It helps other business leaders like you discover the show. And I do love reading the comments you leave. But until next time, do your best and have a 100X day. Thank you for
1: listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.
0: Hey there, biz leaders. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I want to hear from you. I'd like to make this show as valuable and enjoyable for you as possible. And in order to do that, I would greatly appreciate if you could take a few moments to fill out the this year's audience listeners survey. Your feedback will help me improve the show and make it even better in the coming year. For those who do take the time to fill out the survey as a quick thank you, there will be an option to put yourself into a draw for a $25 Amazon gift card, I got five of these to give out. So to access the survey, simply go to thebusinessleadership.com survey 2022 or slide into the show notes below. Thank you so much in advance for your participation and support.